Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. We'll turn to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel tonight as we continue our series in Samuel. Here at the river we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And if this is the first time you've been with us tonight, there in your pew there should be a Bible. If there's not, grab one. But I want you to take that Bible home. If, if, if you, we got King James and ESV. The difference in them is that King James has the thieves and the thous. They sound like medieval speech. However, the English Standard Version is what I'm teaching out of. You take whichever one that easiest for you to understand. And all I ask is that you take that Bible home and you wear it out. We choose to believe the Bible here at the river because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It reports supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy. It's divine and not human in origin. We here at the river believe it sola scriptura. No, I ain't speaking in tongues. We believe that the Bible is our highest authority. And the Latin phrase sola scriptura means the Bible and the Bible alone. We also believe in sola fide, which means faith and faith alone. We also believe in sola Christus, which is a Latin phrase that means Christ and Christ alone. We also believe in sola gracia, a Latin phrase that means grace and grace alone. I, I like to slow down on that one. Amen. Because that one is the one that I live and breathe by. Grace and grace alone. We also believe in soli deo gloria, a Latin phrase that means God alone receives the glory. He'll receive the glory from our gathering tonight. He'll receive Bible. He'll receive the glory because of the Bible study. He'll receive the glory because you're paying such good attention that you leave today and you apply these principles to your life and He will receive glory. Amen. If you would, Open up, like I said, to 2 Samuel. We're looking in chapter number 14. If you remember, we've gone through the story and the history of David. Remember, David is a man after God's own heart. However, previously in the previous chapters, we have seen where David fell and sinned against God. He was guilty of murder and adultery. However, if a man who's a man after God's own heart sins, what hope is there for people like you and me? I'm just a man. I ain't really a man after God's own heart. Sometimes I've ran after other things. Can I get an amen? amen. Have you ran after other things? Have you, have you tried to worship other things? Have you graven idols, created idols to live for, to run after, to use all your energy, your time, and your talents, whether it's a drug, an alcohol, a person, whatever it is I've been an idol worshiper and if David sinned I know I'm going to sin so what hope is there for somebody like me? Well, it's almost as if Paul tells us and reminds us in Romans chapter number 7. If you're taking notes, write down Romans 7. It, Paul tells us, what hope is there for me, O wretched man that I am? And he answers his own question by saying, Jesus Christ, you didn't deserve the second chance, the third chance. You didn't even deserve the first chance. It's only by grace and grace alone. Amen. Somebody, if we all got what we deserve today, where would we be? Hell. Somebody said hell. Yes, sir. We would all be under the wrath of God, but it's only by grace today. Jesus died for sinners because that's all there is. That's right. 
Ooh, amen, somebody. But we see here tonight in the story of David, as you examine all the characters in the Bible, they're not really characters, they're people, you'll actually see the warts and all. You'll actually see their flaws. David, all the way up to he was an old man when he was laying in the bed in his dying day, he was so, he was so moved in the flesh and he, was, he had, a, he had a, a, an addiction. There was actually a part in the Bible where they actually got a young maiden to lay in the bed with him to keep his body warm because he needed that physical touch. That's a man after God's own heart. He still had his issues, but God is full of grace and mercy. Some of y'all ain't never heard that before, but go read your Bible and you'll see that even though in his old age they got a young maiden to lay with him and not lay with him, but lay beside him. There's nothing funky going on, but they made sure that the king was took care of. Even, even in that instance, God is still full of grace and mercy. Amen. So we see here as the story unfolds that David now is living through the repercussions of his sin. Uh, how many of us know here tonight that God will save you from your sins, but not the repercussions? He, he will wipe away your sins, but you still got to do the time. You, you still got to pay back the damages that were done. You still have to live with the fact that the divorce took place and your children are, are displaced every other weekend. You still have to deal with that. But Jesus died for my sins. That only he wipes all the, all the results of your sins away. That's for you to live through and to Prepare to the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Galatians tells us that we're to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Amen. Amen. Well, what does that mean? That means that if I am dealing with an issue, if I'm battling, if I'm knuckling up and I'm fighting for my life because it's going to overtake me, the, the proof that there's a fight in the fight of the flesh proves that God is working because otherwise you would just simply fall back into your sins and lay in those sins. I know we call it hang-up habits and bad decisions, but really, let's be honest, it's sin and idol worship where we live for that one thing and it overtakes us and it consumes us and it ruins us. Amen, preacher. Amen. David now is dealing with the repercussions. He's repented before God. That's how we got Psalms 53. When David penned that, he was repentant. However, his son Absalom his son, who was from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, was flawless. Uh, physically, this man was a specimen. He looked good. I can relate. Amen, somebody. Why ain't y'all amen? Oh, come on now. He was a beautiful man. He, he, had, he was a perfect physique. They, they would cut his hair once a year as we look in this text. And when they cut his hair, so much was removed, it weighed up to five to seven pounds of hair that was taken off his head. Now, you can imagine somebody with that, some kind, somebody with those kind of looks would probably be a little conceited. In fact, this Absalom did some wicked things. He actually killed his own brother in the story we're going through. And he was in exile. And a lot of things took place and he was brought back into the kingdom. However, during their, all that transition, during all the exile and coming home, Absalom never repented. Absalom never felt bad for his sins. Absalom never apologized to anybody, let alone God. See, the point, the point is repentance. If you miss that, you miss it all. We can train you to be moral at the river. We can tell you when to stand and when to sit and even how to pray. If you listen long enough, you'll know the key words to say. It's called Christianese. How are you doing, brother? Praise God. And you sound Christian because you're mimicking what's going on around you. You're moral. You become an outstanding citizen. You check off all the boxes. However, you've not repented before God. 
That means as when you're away from the environment and the environment has changed. You're away from church. You're away from Christian people. You fall back into your deceitful things in your heart. You go back to what you know. Because the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart above all things is deceitful. We are hardwired to be sinners. All we want to do is sin. So we must repent. Amen. Repent. I know churches don't like to preach that because it causes people to leave. Oh, they're mean here. That's hate speech. They're not embracing my, my lifestyle. They don't like what... You, you're, you're a hater. You're a buzzkill. I don't like that. I don't, I, everybody, don't, everybody wants Jesus to be their homeboy. That he'll laugh at the same depraved, wicked jokes as them. That he's okay with sleeping around. That he's alright with alternative lifestyles. He's okay with abortion. He's alright with parades in the street with a rainbow. He's okay with stealing catalytic converters. He's okay with cooking meth in the bathroom. He's okay with snorting cocaine. God's okay because we fashion a God in our imagination. We make him up. It's like we take our Bibles and we open it up and say, I don't like that, so we tear that out. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, oh you want me to be holy? No, nah, we ain't doing that today. Well, you want me to forgive? Forgive. I ain't doing that. So we just rip out the parts of the Bible. We pick and choose like it's a buffet. We go down the line and say, I'll take some of that and some of this. I'll take some of that peace and that. I'll, I'll take some of that. Bless me, Lord. I, but you want me to be holy? I ain't doing that. Mm, getting quiet now. But that's what repentance does. Repentance is grace when God forgives you of your sins, but He gives you the power to honor Him in your whole life. Have you really repented tonight, or are you just programmed? Mm-hmm. Are you in a program? You know when to stand and when to sit because you're surrounded by people who pressure you to do the right thing or, or say the right thing. But have you truly repented before a holy God? What that means is, Jesus has saved me. Saved me from what? From the wrath of God. Glory to God. God's wrath remains on me. You don't hear that much in churches anymore because they don't preach that. And they want to say, you got a, a God hole in your heart and only He could fill it with, with His presence. No, 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 no. It's worse than that. You're depraved and wicked and you deserve hell. And God's wrath remains on you day by day. That's in actually Psalms 7 verse 11. That God's angry with the wicked every day. Those who are not His. Those who are counter to Him. Those who hate Him. But when He shows grace, you repent. He shows grace to you and you repent. That means He's not going to crush me because He crushed Jesus on my behalf. That means He's not going to grind me in eternity into dust but the thing is, when I get ground in eternity because the Bible tells me it's a place where the worm does not die, that I'm continually rotting in hell. He shows grace towards me. And all the things that was owed to God was put on Jesus. Amen. And all the goodness of Christ, all the goodness, kindness, and mercy of Jesus is accredited to me. That's right. And He dies in your place and in your stead. When you hear that, it moves you in such a way not to be moral. Not to just say, well, I better do what's right while everybody's around watching. It moves me in such a way that I don't want to do anything to bring dishonor to His name. For He saved me, redeemed me, bought me, keeps me and holds me. So I want to honor Him. I don't want to do anything to bring 
dishonor to the name of Jesus. I don't want to entertain anything that, that put him on the cross. I, I don't want any lust to lure its head. I, I don't want anything that draws me away from him to cause me to get my eyes off of him. I want to serve him and please him only. Hallelujah. That's what repentance looks like. Have you repented? Saying, I don't want these things. Now, I know some of us are feeling bad tonight about our sins and the things we did. But do we feel bad enough never to do them again? To get rid of that phone. To get rid of that computer because we just find ourselves going back to the same websites. To not even talk to that person anymore because they conjure up wickedness inside of us. Do we feel bad enough not to gossip anymore? Never again will that gossip flow through my lips to dishonor His name because He redeemed me. I will never slander another person because that's the devil's job. And hey, we don't need two devils. One's bad enough. Amen. Have you repented? Absalom has not repented. Even though he's being restored to the position that he lost. That once was a man who drunk himself nearly to death. He goes to the doctor. The doctor says, good news, we have found you a liver. He goes, wonderful. In a matter of weeks, he goes and has the surgery. They give him a liver transplant. And on the way home from the hospital, the wound hadn't fully even healed. He stops at the bar and starts drinking all over again. You would say, what fool are you? This is your second lease on life. You've got another chance. Yeah, he got a new liver. But he didn't get a new heart. That's the difference. No matter what you're addicted to, no matter what you worship and what you serve, Jesus is able to change your heart. Yes, He is. Yes, he is. You submit completely and absolutely to Him and say, here I am. Will you have me? That's the question. I'm not asking anybody to let Jesus into your heart. That's not found in the Bible anywhere. Amen. You say, Jesus, here I am with my sins. I smell like smoke. I smell like I've walked through hell. i got track marks up my horn. I'm dirty. I'm stained. These hands have done some wicked things. Will you even have me? And I want to let you know, when you come to Jesus that way in a repentant heart, saying, I don't want to live this way any longer, He don't look you up and down and say, Oh, you too dirty. You too nasty. You too stanky. I, I see, your, I see your, your rap sheet here. I know your reputation. No, no. The bigger sinner you are, the bigger Savior Jesus is. Whoever you are, no matter what you've done, where you've gone, what, what, you've, what your imaginations have conjured up, what you've actually done with your life, Jesus saves sinners because that's all there is. Absalom has not done this process. He has not repented. And now he's going to be restored back to the kingdom. We look in 2 Samuel chapter 26, and the king said, let him dwell apart in his own house. He is not to come into my presence. So Absalom lived apart in his own house and did not come into the king's presence. Absalom has been brought home to the kingdom. But this is just as bad. The reason David isolates himself from Absalom, I'm in 2 Samuel chapter 14 verse 24. The reason David isolates himself from Absalom is to give Absalom time to repent. Have you ever felt far from God? Have you ever felt like God's a long ways off? 
I, I can't feel him. I don't, I don't know if he's even that. I don't even know if he hears my prayers. Some people feel that way about God and they don't mind. I don't care. That's fine. I want him to stay over there. I want him away from me. That way I can stay in the dark and do what I want. But tonight, if you feel like God's a long ways off and you feel like he can't reach you and you feel like he has he's banished you, well, this is your invitation right here tonight. This is tonight. Let's, let's just handle this tonight. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, he forgives. No, nah, bro, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. I got my own stuff. And if he can forgive me, get this. If he can forgive me, he can forgive anybody. Amen. But I don't know about all this. I don't know about all this stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand all these Bible words and I don't understand all this lingo. I, I don't get it. March 16th, 2000. Don't mean nothing to you, but it does to me. That's the day I stood before Magistrate and my wife. And I didn't know everything about her. I didn't know everything about her. Still don't, bro. Let me tell you. I, I didn't know everything about her. But I knew enough that I'm willing to live with her the rest of my life. To commit myself to her. To love her like Christ loves the church. You know enough about Jesus right now that it's time to commit and say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. The thing is, some of y'all will. Oh, you'll be broken. You're already broken. In, in, in your mind's eye, in your heart, you've already hit your knees and you're crying out to God right now. I know you are because the Holy Spirit is moving. But there's some who will not, and you're not. But there'll be a day in eternity where you'll be in hell and you'll hear this sermon over and over. And I should have I should have cried out to God to save me right then. I should have. And I, I let that walk past me. I let it I let him walk past me. I didn't cry out, Jesus, here I am, will you save me? And repent. You don't need a therapist. You don't need a program. You need to repent. Mm. Sure it's quiet in here. You don't need a denomination. You don't need a preacher. You don't need an evangelist. You don't need another hit. You don't need a good meal. You don't need another drink. You need to repent of your sins and trust in Christ. Absalom has not done this. He's away from the king. He's separated. And this goes on for two years. How long have you been separated from God? How long have you lived without God directing your path? Oh, don't get me wrong. He sees you. He sees your stupidity. He sees the things you've done. But He has guided you up to this moment right now. He has brought you here tonight. Think about that bullet that should have took you out. That overdose that should have killed you. Think about that car. Think about that family member who almost took you out with that knife. Think about it. That night when you should have died, but God's hand has been on you up to this moment. Hallelujah, Lord. That you can be reconciled to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. Aren't you tired of running? Thank you, Lord. See, see, now, the new people, the new people, see, y'all think that I'm going to play some music and have you come up. To, I don't do that. Y'all know that I don't do that. I don't, we don't do that. We only bow our heads and ask Jesus in our heart here. You know what we do? We preach the gospel and then you live out your life and I'll see if you belong to Him. That's how we'll know. 
We'll know by the way you live from this moment on. Amen. Whoever you are. Now my brother here said he's tired. The thing is, you probably, you probably work in religion. Religion says give more, do more, work more. Do, work your fingers to the bone to earn heaven. But Jesus, Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, all who are tired, come to me and I'll give you rest. Are you tired of trying to earn your way to heaven, put an extra money in the offering plate, but still living like hell? And it don't balance the scales. It will not. For the wages of sin is death is what the Bible says. The cost, the price of sin. All of those favorite sins that you have, somebody's got to die. Either it's going to be you or somebody you know that's going to be able to tilt the scales back. The problem is I don't know anybody good enough to tilt the scales back. There was only one. His name is Jesus. And He volunteered to take your place. Jesus died for sinners because that's all there is. Absalom does not repent. He's mad. He's, he's on the outskirts of the kingdom. So he concocts a plan to get the attention of Joab. Now Joab is the general that works for the king, the king named David. We see... Oh, we already looked at verse 25 and 26 when I told you the hair of his head was 200 shekels, old school. And it means that it was around 5 to 7 pounds. And verse 27, there was born to Absalom three sons, one daughter whose name was Tamar, and she was a beautiful woman. In verse 27, you'll see that he had three children. They are not named because most likely they died as their children. Emphasized in this time was a big thing. But one of them's name is Tamar, which was named after his own sister. So we can see that you can be a family man and still be lost. Ooh. You could actually be a person who attends church every week and still be lost. You, your name could be on the registry and still be lost. You, you could be a deacon and still be lost. You could be a preacher and still be lost. The key is repentance. Absalom has not repented. In verse 28, so Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but Joab would not come to him. And he sent a second time, but Joab would not come. And he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. This lets me know that Absalom was callous and calculative. The reason being is because barley fields were places where an agricultural community would make their living. They would invest in the property and take the crops and live off them. But Absalom didn't care. He said, set it on fire. See, he couldn't get Joab to come see him face to face, but trouble always brings people face to face. So he sets Joab's field on fire. Then Joab arose and went to Absalom at his house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent a word to you. Come here, and I may send you to the king to ask, Why have I come to Jerusalem? It would be far better for me to stay there. Now therefore let me go to, into the presence of the king. If there is guilt in me, let him put me to death. Now Absalom is putting his life on the line because truly Absalom is guilty. He deserves death for what he did. But I want you to notice something here. Absalom set Joab's field on fire and Joab went to go find Absalom. 
Otherwise, Joab was never going to go see Absalom, ever. Is it possible in your life that God sets your field on fire? Your life has been on fire. Just so you will go to Him. Is it possible that life has kicked you, beat you, and left you laying in the dust? But there's a reason. Because when people get a little prosperous, when they get that nice house, a nice car, that, 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 that wife or that husband, and they, they get that 2.5 kids, and they, 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 just, they just stop praying. They stop reading their Bible. Whenever they get promoted as a CL, they get to phase three. They, they, get, they get sober. They, things are going good. They got a couple of chips in their pocket because they went, to, uh, they went to celebrate recovering. They've been clean for a little while. Maybe they got paid. They got their tax payment back in. Their tax bill came back and they got a tax check and they're doing pretty good so they don't need God the worst thing that can happen to some people is they get prosperous let's, let's just be honest because we have a tendency to be self-destructive it don't even matter today if you if you get a good career Get a big piece of the American pie. The American dream is what we call it. Actually, it could be American nightmare, I'll be honest with you. Because we get prosperous and we don't need God and we don't pray to Him. And we make gods out of ourselves and make gods out of other things. We blaspheme His name. We dishonor the Sabbath day, which is the fourth commandment. We dis disrespect and dishonor our parents. We hate people with all our hearts. We gossip about them and murder them if we could in our imagination. And if we had the chance, we probably would put them in a shallow grave, which is the sixth commandment. We, we lust in our heart with pornography. And we lust at Walmart when they're fully clothed. We watch shows to feed the lust. We lie and steal and covet. I just went through the Ten Commandments with you. Showing you that we've broken God's law. And lawbreakers get justice. Whoever you are. If God is just tonight, you would get hell. But He's offering grace and mercy for those who will repent. Listen to me. I'm not playing games. If you can't see the tears in my eyes, hear my voice. Somebody here, this is the last time. This is the last chance you'll get. Oh, you might be able to walk into a church here and there. But this is the last time God is moving on your heart. And He will turn you over to your sins. He'll let you have it. That's called reprobation. He'll just let you go. You want that? Go. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't, don't leave tonight without doing business with God. Here I am. Because we're talking about eternity, Lord. Here I am. I'm dirty and I'm stained. Forgive me. Wash me. Clean me. You might say, this guy, I mean, he's trying to sell Kirby vacuums or something because he just, he keeps right on. Yes. Because I'm dealing with eternal issues here. I don't care how long you've been here. Repentance. God, I don't want those things reigning in my life. I'd rather have you. I want you. Forgive me. Wash me. Clean me. Save me. Will you have me? We see that Absalom doesn't do this. He actually has Joab come when the, when the field's on fire. Some of you, your field's on fire. And now there's a reckoning day to the one you would not go see. Now it's time to go see him. Face to face. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am. 
I, I got the signals. I got the, I got the point. My life is burning down. I, I'm failing. The hardest people to preach to are church people because they're doing so good in life. Everything's going good. Got that promotion at work. The devil give you all your greatest dreams as long as you don't serve Jesus. But there are those who are just down in their luck. They've seen what the world has put them through. The grinder made sausage out of them, ruined them, laid them in ashes. And now... You can see the smoke going up and your life is falling apart. Come to Jesus. And don't come to Jesus just because your life's falling apart. Come to Jesus because the smoke signals show that you're not only going to burn in this life, but afterwards. The sad thing is, to those who will not repent, this is as close as the heaven you'll ever get. For eternity, you will be in God's presence and His wrath will be on you. Well, why are you so adamant about this? If my kids were playing in the street and you were out in the parking lot you saw them playing in the street and a car was coming and you didn't say nothing, you must really hate me and my family. You must hate me to see my children be destroyed. But I do hope you scream, Hey, hey you, can't, you can't play in the street. Get out of the way. I hope you rush over them and grab them and snatch them from danger. The same element takes place here. You're on the highway to hell. And you will be ruined. And if I did not love you, I would play patty cake with you tonight. I would just play games. Sing kumbaya, hand out coloring books and hold hands. Play with your feelings. I'm not going after your feelings tonight. I'm going for your soul. I'm going for your heart, the very existence of who you are. Have you repented and trusted in Jesus? Have you? I have though. I have preacher. I really have. But I still sin. I, I still mess up. I still fail. The question is when you sin and when you fail, do you lay in your sins? Do you walk away because, oh, I messed up. There goes my perfect record. Oh, well, I'll go back to what I used to do. No, you get up and you still serve Him again. Even though I stumble and I fall, I still serve Him. I don't give myself over to these things. I serve Him and Him only. I've dedicated my life to Him. Your repentance is found in your fight. Are you still struggling with sin? Are you fighting lust? Are you fighting anger and, and unforgiveness? Are you putting those things down every day and serving Him by renewing your mind, dedicating your soul and your life to Christ and Him only? If not... You're probably lost in a false convert. Absalom burns the field to bring Joab to him. Your, your life is on fire. Come to Jesus today, whoever you are. So what does he do? He asks Joab to bring his father to him face to face. He said, either, either kill me because I'm guilty or show me mercy is what's getting ready to take place. Truly here tonight, this is a building full of guilty people. All the way from the back row to the children in the back. We're guilty before God and we deserve His wrath. See, everybody expects mercy. That ain't what, that ain't what mercy is in grace. When you expect it, no, what you're thinking about, that's justice. If you get what you deserve. Well, I ain't cussed all day. Told them maybe now. I, I, I've been pretty good. I recycle. I mean, I got a good job now. I mean, 
I'm doing pretty good. There's no way my good works outweigh my sins. There's no way. And the truth, truth is, I'm the biggest sinner in this church because I know me. And I know what I've done and what I deal with. And that should be your story too. For even the Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners in 2 Corinthians. He said, there's no one a bigger sinner than me. Paul has a, a tendency to examine his sins. He didn't look at his neighbor's sins. He didn't have to stand before God on judgment day for his neighbor. So I'm talking to you tonight. Whoever you are. When you get in the car tonight, your partner's with you. Person with, was he talking about me? Yeah, I'm talking about you. Talking about you. It's going to be you on judgment day. You can't blame anybody else. can't blame your mama, your daddy, economic status, your skin color. You can't even blame the preacher. It's going to be you. Have you repented? Absalom has not repented and destruction continues. Even though here in a moment, he will stand before David and he will be forgiven and restored. His unrepented heart is going to destroy him. We see in verse 33, 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 33, when Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. The king forgave him and restored him. With an unrepentant heart. Whoever you are tonight, if you get promoted, if you graduate, if you move up to the next level, and you have an unrepented heart, what takes place from 15 and on is going to take place in your life. You will ultimately destroy yourself. But rest assured, God will destroy you in the afterlife because you're unrepentant. What does pride and unrepentance do? For a little while, it looks good. It's shiny. It's, it's something that's interesting because we see in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1, After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. See, in biblical times, in, in Jerusalem, God's law prohibited them to have horses and chariots. That's the very thing he does. He's unrepentant. However, he looks like the king's son. He's got a, a place of restoration. He's looking good. He's beautiful. Anybody who's going to be a, a, a king is certainly going to be Absalom, but pride has twisted his wicked finger all up inside his soul. And now he has horses and men that run ahead of him and say, Make way! Here comes the king! Oh, we would do so good if we had people do that for us. Here comes the hot stepper walking in the room. Look at me, here I am. All eyes on me, like the theologian Tupac Shakur said. Everybody look at me. It's all about me. I'm in the spotlight. It's about me. That's what pride does. Unrepentance hearts always lead to pride. Sounds familiar. Sounds like Lucifer. Pride rose up in his heart. When the most glorious being in all of creation was there, he started to look at himself and say, I'm all that. Oh, I got it going on. And he started talking to the other angels around the throne. He said, don't you think I'm all that? I'm, all, I'm pretty bad. I got it going. I know what I'm doing. I can do better than him. Uh, let's, go, let's go handle business. Let's go take what's rightfully mine. And if the devil 
Lucifer, the archangel, could talk the angels into joining him and rebelling against God. If he could do that to angels, what chance do you got? He'll tell you everything you want to hear. Come with me, I got you. Everything you want, I got you. He offered it to Christ. He said, all the kingdoms of the world are mine to give. However, Jesus conquered them with the cross. The devil will prosper you too. As long as you don't serve Christ. We see here that this pride, now from an unrepentant heart, it shows up in so many different ways. But in just, just so in this instance, he's got horses and chariots running in front of him. How does pride show up in your life? Oh, you better respect who I am. You can't talk to me that way. You, you, you better put, take that bass out your voice. Hey, you gotta, I can't believe they're sitting in my seat at church. They parked in my spot. That's been my spot for years. I cannot believe this. All these new people at my church. I don't like that song. We don't need to sing that song. Don't worry, we ain't singing to you. Amen. Sing to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. What does pride look like? Pride takes so many images. It takes, it takes whispers in your ear. Don't you deserve this? Don't you need a break? You've been doing so good. Just You remember just how good it felt to do this again or to go there? Pride. What do you mean you're trying to correct me? Who, you don't pay my mortgage? Woman, you don't. I go to work every day and I do this and that. Or he is an idiot. He, 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 I'm not going to listen to him. Pride. 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 Turn an angel into a devil. Imagine what it's going to do to you. Repent. Repent. I know that's an old school word that people don't really know what it means. It means to throw down whatever's weighing you. What do you mean weighing me? I want you to imagine that you're on a boat and your arms are full, full of lead bars. The boat's going around the drain and it's sinking. And you're standing in the middle of the boat and you're going around, but you're holding on to those lead bars. And those lead bars are going to cause you and the ship and everything around you to go down into the abyss. Repentance means Dropping those bars. I don't want this. I don't want this in my life. I, I don't need this. It, it's killing me. It's ruining me. It, it, I, maybe I don't really think this is wrong, but the one who designed everything says that's wicked and depraved. It's evil. And our wicked hearts try to defend our favorite sins. Have you noticed that? We try to defend our favorite sins. Oh, I, it's all right if I tie one on at the work. It's all right if I do this. If I, if I indulge a little here and do a little that. It's okay. Just a little white light and not get in trouble. That's all right. That's what Adam and Eve decided to do in the Garden of Eden. Decided to take their destinies and call their own rules. When the God of all creation said, don't do this and don't do that. You have to decide tonight who calls the shots in your life. Who is God? Who reigns? You or Christ? Last analogy and we'll finish. I want you to imagine you coming home from work. you got your arms filled with all the labors of the day. 
You got your dry cleaning in his hand, briefcase, groceries in this hand. You fiddle with your keys and you come into the foyer of your house. And you look across the living room and there standing in the living room somebody you love dearly. And you haven't seen them in a long, long time. What do you do? Hold on, let me, let me put a dry cleaner on. I don't want to get wrinkled. I paid a pretty penny for this. Let me put the bologna up. Oh, this is Briar's ice cream now. If you don't put it straight in the refrigerator, it's going to get too soft and get freezer burnt. So hold on a minute. Let me put my keys over here on the hook. Let me put the bread away. No. If you truly loved them, you sling everything to the side. No matter what's in your arms. Because... The person standing there in your living room is better than anything that you're holding. You sling it away and you run and embrace them. That's repentance. What? You, what? Your arms are filled with wicked things. All in your hands. And I'm telling you to sling them away from you. Whatever it is. I don't know what your sins are. I know mine. And yours is different than mine. You sin differently than me. But whatever's in your hands, whatever's bound in your arms, sling them away and run to Jesus and embrace Him while you can. What do you mean while you can? There's going to be a day where He will pass you by. He'll leave you to your sins. And on that judgment day, like it says, as a for man wants to die, then the judgment, you will give an account for your life. You've broken His laws and His statutes. And He being a just and holy God requires to punish rebels and sinners so people like me go to hell unless they repent and trust in Jesus. Sling those things from their horns and embrace Christ. Bow your heads. Father, tonight, I do hope it was clear, crystal clear, what is to be said. For Absalom would not repent, he would not relent, and now pride has risen up inside of him. There's somebody tonight who's full of pride here tonight. And Lord, they don't want anybody to see them cry. They don't want anybody to know that they're starting a relationship with Jesus for the first time here tonight. So they won't mention you. But Lord, there are those who are slinging everything from their hands. They're throwing it all to the side. I don't want any of this. I don't live for this anymore. I live for Christ because He saved me. I was going to be ruined, but He snatched me and claimed me for His own. Whoever they are, Lord Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit quickens their hearts. I pray that the dry bones live. I pray that the dead live again like Jesus spoke to Lazarus. There are those who are dead in their sins and trespasses. And only You can bring them life. Only You can save them. So, Father, the question lingers in the air tonight. Have we repented? Have we trusted in You? And, Lord, I don't know about anybody else, but if I, if I had to do business with Jesus, I don't care who was beside me. I don't care what was going on around me. I would either bow my heads and make things right, come to the altar, or get along with Him somewhere, somehow, and say, Jesus, will You have me? And I want to tell that person who says, Jesus, will You have me? He will not turn you away by any accounts. The Bible says that He leaves the 99 to find the one. There's other churches that are gathering tonight full of good people who we're doing really good. But this church here tonight is full of bad people. And He comes and finds us because we can't get to Him. So Jesus, do Your work. Walk up and down the aisle tonight. Save Your, save your people to bring glory to Your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said...